Welcome to the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the beginning of sin as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. These five I wills of Satan. This was the beginning of sin in the universe. This was the beginning of the rebellion against God's government and God's kingdom. And they came with Satan's willing against the will of God. In in Ezekiel, we are told concerning Satan that he at one time was an anointed cherub. Cherubim, the B-I-M, or the I-M, is actually a plural suffix in the Hebrew language. So a cherub would be singular. But there are cherubim, there are many of these angelic beings. Satan was one of these exalted angelic beings. Interesting, it would seem that the cherubim are there to guard the holiness of God. And perhaps he was the chief over the cherubim. It would seem to indicate that as Ezekiel addresses him in the form of the king of Tyre. The anointed cherub that covers. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, beryl, onyx, sapphire, carbuncle, and so forth. Thou wast perfect in beauty, perfect in wisdom, perfect in all of your ways until the day that iniquity was found in thee. And then he speaks of his fall. Now, Isaiah tells us exactly what the iniquity was. It was his declaring, I will, in opposition to God's will. And any time you declare your will in opposition to God's will, that's sin, that's rebellion. Rebellion against God. Sin is the failure to do the will of God, to surrender, to submit to the will of God. I will ascend into heaven. I will sit also in the, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars of God being the angels of God. I'm going to exalt above them. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the earth. I will ascend above the heights. I will be like the Most High. Interesting. The climactic, I will of Satan, I will be like God. Um, Shakespeare, in uh, the one play, uh, has someone addressing Cromwell, Oh, Cromwell, flee ambition, for by this sin the angels fell. I will be like God. It is interesting when... Satan came into the garden to tempt Eve. What was the hook? 
God doesn't want you to eat that fruit for he knows that the day that you eat that fruit, you will be like God. You want to be like God? Eat this fruit. And that was the hook. It was the thing that tripped him up. And so it's the very thing then he, that he used to trip Eve up. You're going to be like God. Go ahead. God doesn't want you to eat it. He's afraid you're going to be like him. So any of these religions today that make you like God, that put you in a God category, when you die, you and your wife can be as gods. You'll go to your own little planet. <laughs> be careful. That was the hook that got Satan. That was the hook that he used for Eve. These that make a God out of you, recognize the God in you. The self-realizations. What is the self-realization concept? I am God. That's what I need to realize. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Tragic. But so many people are being drawn by this desire to be God. And so the God in me blesses the God in you. Uh, the self-realization of who I am. So, Satan's fall, I will be like the Most High. Now, the interesting thing is that God is making us again in his image. When God first created man, he created man in his image and after his likeness. But man through disobedience in his desire to be like God fell from that image of God. And by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin so that death passed unto all men for all sinned. So if I want to know what God intended when he created man, I can't look around the world and find it. Because in the world it doesn't exist because I see fallen man. I see man that is filled with greed. I see man that is filled with hatred, with avarice. I see a man who is controlled by his own desires and lust. That isn't the way God intended man to live. That isn't what God intended for man. We see man in his fallen state. But God reached down to touch man in his fallen state, and the purpose of God in working in your life tonight is to restore unto you that which was lost through the fall. God wants to restore you back into his image. And so Paul said, we with open face beholding the glory of the Lord are changed from glory to glory into the same image. Now, it doesn't mean I'm God. It doesn't mean I'm going to be God. I'm always going to be me. But I will be conformed again by the Spirit of God into the image of Jesus Christ, where love will once again dominate instead of greed or, or selfishness. 
and, and made again into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of God's work in our lives tonight. So, Satan fell. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? You said you're going to exalt yourself, you're going to be like God, yet you will be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? Man, when you see Satan down there, you say, Wow, is that the guy that gave me such a bad time? The man that created all of the problems for this universe, the one that started the whole rebellion against God, is that? Wow, look at him. What, what a sight that's going to be. That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities that opened not the house of his prisoners. All of the kingdoms of the earth, are the kings of the nations, even all of them that lie in glory, every one of them in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as a raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit, as a carcass that is trodden under foot. The kings are buried in tombs, sepulchers, and so forth, but you're going to be cast out of the grave. You're going to be like a... a the, the coat of a man who has fallen in battle that's just cast aside to be trodden down under the feet. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people, and the seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. Prepare slaughter for his children for the iniquity of their fathers that they do not rise nor possess the land nor fill the face of the world with cities. For I will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and the remnant and son and nephew, saith the Lord. How many of you have met a Babylonian lately? They don't exist. God cut them off. The name, the son, the nephew, the no more family, Babylonians. I will also make it a possession for the bittern, the pools of water, and I will sweep it with the besom of destruction, saith the Lord of hosts. And the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. As I have purpose, so shall it stand. That is one powerful verse. God said, He's sworn. I mean, this is, you know, men take an oath to confirm what they have said as being really true. Well, God, who has never spoken anything but truth, when God swears to something, man, how true can you get? Or how firm can it be? How well can a thing be established? When God has sworn, surely, as I have thought, it shall come to pass. God's word shall surely be fulfilled. When the Lord told Daniel to write these things, he said, for the prophecy is certain. It's going to be fulfilled. God declares, surely as I have thought, so it's going to be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. The purposes of God are set. They cannot be changed. The plan of God will be fulfilled. 
that I will break the Assyrian in my hand and upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off of them and the burden depart from off their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed and who can disannul it? His hand is stretched out and who can turn it back? The tremendous, awesome sovereignty of God. And in the year that King Ahaz died was this burden. So now we're moving on into a new area. It is not distinguished by a chapter change, but it is distinguished by the fact that he introduces this new section by in the year that King Ahaz died was this burden. Rejoice not thou whole Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a flying, fiery flying serpent. Now, he's just spoken of the uh, destruction of Assyria, but don't rejoice because Assyria is broken by Babylon, because now God is going to bring the Babylonians against you. And the firstborn of the poor shall feed, and the needy shall lie down in safety, and I will kill thy root with famine, and he shall slay thy remnant. Howl, O gate, cry, O city, thou whole Palestinia, Palestina, art dissolved for there shall come from the north a smoke and none shall be alone in his appointed times. What shall one then answer the messengers of the nation that the Lord hath founded Zion and the poor of his people shall trust in it. So God is going to found Zion, the ultimate bottom line. Now in chapter 15, he turns his attention against Moab, that area that lies just east of the Jordan and of the Dead Sea. And he begins to speak of the destruction of Moab and of some of the major cities in Moab, the cities that are destroyed at night. Ar is laid waste and brought to silence. Ker is laid waste and brought to silence. And these other cities, Bajith and Dibon and so forth, Howling then over the mountains, Mount Nebo and Mediba, which is just east and south from Nebo. On all their heads shall be baldness, every beard cut off. This, when, when they went into great weeping or mourning over the dead, uh, they would shave their heads and their beards. It was a sign of great mourning. They would usually put on sackcloth, shave their head and beard. So everyone's head is shaved. Their beards are all cut off because of the slaughter that has come upon the inhabitants of Moab, the howling over the destruction. In their streets, they shall gird themselves with sackcloth, the, the garment of mourning worn over the bare skin. And on the tops of their houses and their streets, everyone shall howl weeping abundantly. And Hezbon shall cry, and Elile, and these are the cities. The voice shall be heard even unto Jahaz from one end of the nation to the other. Therefore, the armed soldiers of Moab shall cry out, His life shall be grievous unto him. My heart shall cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee unto Zoar. And Hefer of three years old, for by the mounting up of Luhith, with weeping shall they go it up. For in the way of Horonim they shall rise up the cry of destruction. 
And then speaking of the rivers and so forth, it'll be desolate. Uh, Nimrim was a river towards the south, but it's going to be dry. The hay is withered. They'll flee down that way, but the grass fails. There's no green things. So there'll be a, a, a drought in that area. And thus God predicts and describes his judgment against Moab and the inhabitants of that land. Now, even as God describes the judgment against Moab, yet Moab is to figure yet in the future. And as we get into chapter 16, we find the place of Moab, which of course today is Jordan, we find its place during the Great Tribulation, and you'll find some very interesting things in chapter 16, where this is where we locate the rock city of Petra as the place where the children of Israel will flee in the middle of the Great Tribulation when the Antichrist comes to uh, Jerusalem and sets himself up in the temple. And, and chapter 16, the word Selah is rock or Petra, the rock. And so the rock city of Petra is named here the city of Selah. And as you read it, see if you can put it together in your minds, and then we'll seek to put it together for you as we uh, see God's preservation of a remnant of his people from the great tribulation who flee to the rock city of Petra for refuge when the Antichrist moves to Jerusalem in his great sacrilege against God. So next week, 16, and your chapters next week are rather short. And so 16 through 20, but some interesting things. Chapter 19, the, the prediction of the Aswan Dam, and uh, just uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people, see the United States in chapter 18. If you can see the United States in chapter 18, you've got better eyes than I have. But uh, some people make quite a bit out of chapter 18 being a prophecy concerning the United States. As far as I'm concerned, the United States doesn't appear in prophecy, except for one area where there's a possibility, and that is when Russia invades Israel, the merchants of Tarshish, Tarshish is thought to be England, and the young lions thereof shall say, what are you doing invading this defenseless little land? Now, if the United States appears anywhere in prophecy, that's where it appears, and it is when we file a complaint to the Security Council of the United Nations asking them to soundly condemn Russia for invading the Middle East, Jerusalem. So uh, outside of that, I really do not see the United States in prophecy because... As John tells us in the book of Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God isn't interested in prophesying about the whole world and the nations of the world as such. He's interested in one person. And all prophecy centers around Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So as nations relate to Israel, as Israel relates to the Messiah, so these nations will come into the light of prophecy. But the purpose of prophecy is not to give us an unfolding of the whole world scheme, but to center on one person, the person of Jesus Christ, in his first 
and in his second coming. The nations that tried to destroy Israel before the Messiah came, God deals with them in prophecy, how he is going to destroy those who were trying to destroy the nation before the Messiah could come. And then, of course, all of these prophecies that deal now with the return of Jesus Christ, the establishing of his kingdom and all, but they all really center around Jesus. So you may be disappointed that the United States doesn't show up, but when you read some of the things that are said about some of these nations that do show up, it's sort of nice that he doesn't detail uh, what might happen here. But come what may, my life is secure in Jesus Christ. And that's the main thing, that you be found in him, not clothed in your own righteousness, but the righteousness which God has given you through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way I want to be found. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 13 through 15 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, give you a beautiful week. And may his words sustain you as you walk with him in fellowship. May the Spirit of the Lord just really rest heavy upon you. And may you really have a chance to share the love of Jesus Christ with someone else this week. May God make you effective in your witness for him. May your life be like a light shining in a dark place that others might be drawn to that light and find the source of the light, even Jesus. So God bless you and give you a rich week in fellowship with Him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Gather the kids together because The Word for Today would like to present a kid's book by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Resurrection of Jesus. Each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck reading this story, featuring the voice talents of Skip Heitzig. But I will come back again on the third day. Greg Laurie. It's Jesus! Hi, Peter! 
Raul Reese. See, it's really Jesus. Gosh. Cheryl Broderson. The stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. And so many more. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless biblical stories taught by Pastor Chuck. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org where you can order this book in print or as a digital download. Again, the number to call is 800-272-9673.